Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. And we're back. It's Monday, April 6th, except for if you're listening to this later, not live, it's not Monday, April 6th, but uh, it is a Monday. We're back at it. Um, There's a lot going on in the world as always, but we always start in the same place, which is Nathan Barry. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, I'd say I'm definitely green. You know, I realized starting a day without any meetings and just diving into like real actual work, uh, it's pretty good. So you're actually the first human that I have interacted with outside of my household today. So uh, congratulations. I'm honored. It's good to be talking with you. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm green. Had a good weekend. I didn't really do that much. You know, there's not much to be done, but uh, tiny house is coming along pretty well. So that's fun. Maybe like two more weeks, three more weeks, and I'll actually move my office into it. So home stretch. Love it. Anyway, how about you? Uh, I am green today. I also, you are the only thing on my calendar today, which is a rarity. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. I'm officially at the stage of the quarantine wherein my hair is longer than I prefer it to be. And luckily you can only see the front of me, but I'm, I have a growing neckline that yeah. is approaching. It, I don't know whether to call it my neck or my back at this point. Not really, but you know what I mean? I need a haircut. So, um, that's fun. Ordered some clippers the other day. When we moved into our new house, I got rid of all my clippers. Cause it's like, ah, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Turns out <laughs> two months later, here we are. Um, also I've noticed I have several, what looks like new gray hairs, either that, or they're usually cut so short that I don't notice them. So we're getting older. That is true every day. That's my wise thought of the day. Oh man. And, uh, no, I'm green though. It's a good day. I'm looking, looking forward to this week doing some writing today, uh, which is always good. And I'm excited about our topic, which is the creator journey, which selfishly, um, I'm excited to talk through with you because it's a big topic of conversation amongst our team right now. Um, really making sure that we're catering to the creator journey and everything that we do, because that's the only way to serve our mission. And I think the more clarity or the more iterations we can do on this, the better. But also, I think it's incredibly valuable for our audience here because if you can identify where you are on the journey, I think it can make it a little bit easier to know what to focus on. And one of the things that I certainly experienced as a creator is it can feel like there's a hundred different things to focus on at any given time. Um, And it's not always clear what comes next. So I want to get into a little bit of that today. I don't know if we want to, do we want to do, give me like three seconds on what's going on in the world. Uh, all right, let me look. Uh, I, there's some, okay. Our new cases per day in the United States is lower. So that was good. I don't have that up anymore. We're at 1.3 million total, 350,000 in the U S okay. But I do want to look this up super quick because that might be some good news to actually share. We'll see. Right. One data point does not make a trend. Uh, but yeah, new cases yesterday were only 25,000. Only, I can't believe I just said that sentence. I know. But it was trending up like crazy. So 34th, you know, so like going 29 to 32 to 34,000 to 25,000. Okay, that could be worse. So we'll see what tomorrow yeah. brings. 
or really what the end of the day data today brings. Yeah. But that would be a good sign. I think New York's in a similar spot. They've reported two days now of slightly lower deaths per day is really how they're measuring their progression because there's just so many cases and um, it's not good, but they dip below the 600 mark for two days in a row. So we're hoping that New York's peaking and we're hoping the same thing will happen for Detroit and uh, New Orleans, a couple other places this week. So keep your either thought or prayer or just like whatever your hat you wear on for all the people out there that are uh, going to work to help us stay, um, stay okay. And for all the people that are suffering. Yep. Okay. We'd love to hear in the chat. If you're listening in, how are you doing? Red, yellow, green. Always love to see, see the updates there. Shout out to Jessica and Teddy who already chimed in. Let's get into our topic. We've got a little post here in our internal. We use Basecamp. It's a planning tool. This is not an ad for Basecamp because we don't take ads on this podcast, but we're big fans of, uh, of the tool. Use it to plan all of our projects. And one of the ways I describe it to new team members is it's kind of like our old school, the equivalent of old school memos. It's where we do our detailed writing and thinking. Or if you want a modern equivalent, it would be like the three-page or five-page memos that Bezos makes all his people write internally at Amazon. We wrote a little post on the creator journey that came out of a session at our team retreat in August 2019. Wasn't that long ago? It was just last year. Yeah. Okay. August 2019. And what Nathan and I realized was that we have all these working assumptions that are just kind of built into our thinking about what it looks like to start a creative business and the stages that you go through. But if you have not been through that before, or maybe it's your first time going through it right now, it's not obvious. And it's not easy to build solutions for people if it's not obvious from an internal standpoint. And it's not obvious what to do next if you're in it right now and you can't necessarily see clearly from a 30,000 foot view. So I want to jump in right at the top with uh, just kind of like what kicks off or what we've seen kick off the creator journey for a lot of people, what some of those sparks are right at the outset. Yeah. So we've actually seen those sparks come from a lot of different places, but it is interesting in your own journey, you're looking at somebody else to see, okay, what actually started that, right? So I think a famous example from someone from our community, right, is Pat Flynn. He, his creator journey really, well, it started in two places. One, it started when he got laid off from his job. And I think that's a common spark. You know, someone saying, I need to do something different. But I think what you often find is that there's this spark of this inciting incident. And then if you go backwards from there, you actually realize, oh, that was just like the, the tipping point to bring it over into the real thing. But for Pat, another example is his actually started when he was studying for his architecture exam. And he started sharing and compiling all of his notes uh, and put that out there publicly without the intention of building an, an audience, uh, but just to compile and organize all his notes. I think he said once that he wanted to be able to access it from anywhere. And like a public web page is one of the easiest ways to do that. And he was surprised to learn that other people were reading them and visiting them as well. And so those are just two examples, um, but that spark can come from a bunch of different places. Yeah. I've been reading this. Um, a lot of you probably heard of it. It's one of those, I try and balance my reading between popular books that have recently come out that everyone's reading and like old obscure stuff or just random stuff that no one else is reading. Because if you've only read what everyone else is reading, you're not that interesting. But if you're reading some other stuff, you can have an interesting conversation. Anyways, this is one of the popular ones called Range, Why Generalists Thrive in a Specialized World or something like that. 
And um, in there, he talks about a couple of concepts that I think are really relevant here. One is um, sampling is kind of what he calls it, but it's basically just getting exposure to a lot of different topics, enough to know whether you have an ongoing interest in them. And he's essentially making an argument for why job hopping makes a lot of sense, actually, until you can find the thing that really aligns with what you want to be doing in the world. And so I think one of the sparks can sometimes be when someone has been bouncing from topic to topic or interest to interest or job to job, and finally they land on something that's interesting enough. The way I think about it is if you read one book on the topic, do you immediately want to pick up another book on the topic? And if you do, that's probably a pretty good indicator that you're onto something that you're really interested in. So he talks about sampling. And the other side of that is a research topic he calls match quality, uh, is what like all the PhDs would call it. And match quality is basically the level of fit between what you want and what a field can provide you in terms of personality, the way of going about the work, the depth of it and everything else. And so I think when you start to sample enough stuff that you find something interesting and then you find a decent match quality. That's sometimes when, when you are onto something that might become a business, but it takes this external event like getting fired or a current event like right now, a pandemic or maybe an illness that brings some light into your life that says, oh, I'm doing things that I don't care about. Why would I keep doing that? And, uh, and that can kind of be why you get started. So what for you, Nathan, what was that? Well, so I think there were two and I don't know if, if there is always this spark and then this tipping point or whatever we want to call them. Um, but I think as we find for most people, there's going to be these two different things. Like getting into web design was that initial spark. And it actually came from uh, in high school, a girl that I was dating was into building websites on GeoCities and like would write them with HTML. And, and the spark for me was when she showed me how she could type something into Notepad, hit save and refresh the browser and the the colors would be different. The background would be different. And I went, wait, that's building a website? Like you can have that close, that instant uh, feedback loop right there. And so that was like the spark in, oh, okay, I'm going to go down this path of learning design and learning how to code websites and, and all of that. And then I think actually that tipping point into like life as a creator, maybe there were a whole bunch of them, but much further down along the line after I'd run a web design business for a while, worked at another company, a bunch of those types of things. It was really following people like uh, Chris Gillibo and Tim Ferriss and people like that and seeing, okay, but I actually want to build an audience. And so that tipping point, I think, was when I started doing that building audience and writing a book uh, was probably after a Chris Gillibo post about self-publishing and, and building your audience. I couldn't tell you which one. But that changed it from like this vague idea to something like, okay, I can act on this and I have the skills to do it. Yeah, I love that. For me, it was two things. One, I got exposure to a topic around kind of like self-awareness and developing a sense of values and purpose in life in college in a program I was in. And so that kind of embedded this idea that that's a tool that can be used across a lot of different domains. And then the second thing that happened was I went to a summer camp for abused and neglected children where I volunteered the first summer I was working as a management consultant. And I had almost immediately figured out that my sampling of management consulting was showing me that was not good match quality for me. But I went to this camp and they fired the, uh, the director of the camp midweek and they came into the staff meeting and said, hey, if anyone's interested in doing this work, we'd love to have someone from internal to the camp become the director. And in that moment, this light bulb went off that someone's job is to plan and execute on a camp for children in need every summer. That's their whole job. 
And it was like, oh, now that resonates with me. Right. And that moment was when I knew I would quit my job as a management consultant. And so that was kind of the spark for me was I realized it brought into stark contrast the difference between work I wanted to do and the work I was doing. So those were mine. So there's a spark or maybe there's like a thing that you stumble onto, a topic or an interest that intrigues you. And then there's a spark. There's an event that happens that kind of triggers it from I'm doing this over here on the side to I actually think I might want to take a shot at this as a business or a blog or an endeavor that I want to take on a project like we like to call it. Right. Yeah, that's good. I can totally imagine the stark contrast between the management consultant world and the, uh, you know, a summer camp for kids and having such a big impact. And you're like, wait a second, there's still spreadsheets involved, but this has an impact on individual humans. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that's kind of stage one, the awakening, we'll call it the away, the creator awakening. The next stage that we kind of think about is research mode. And this, this stage, sometimes people are good and they just spend a little bit of time here, yep. but sometimes people get really bogged down in this stage. So what happens here, Nathan? Yeah. So research mode can go a few different ways. Uh, usually what it would do for me is, is the domain available? Right. I start there. Whatever idea sparked up, I'm like, is a domain available? Is, you know, I start Googling for that. And then I also look, is there competition? And does this already exist? And I used to go into that from the perspective of, oh, I hope there's not competition. Like, oh, oh, shoot, someone else is already doing it. Oh, no. Luckily, I've come to understand competition and marketplaces and all of that a little bit better. And, and now I would still look for competition, but it's just to try to understand what's out there. What are people doing? You know, as if I was starting a new site on building tiny houses, as an example, you know, I would go and look at who who's out there, who's writing about it. Um, and take a whole bunch of notes as to what resonates with them uh, or the content they're putting out, what resonates, how high quality is it? Is this like one off little three to 500 word blog post? Someone's like, Hey, here's an update on what I made. By the way, here are some resources. Or is it stuff they're putting out detailed posts and analyzing here are the decisions you should make? Here's, you know, a lot of that. Has anyone taken the stance of being like the one definitive expert on the topic? Because I think a lot of people, we talked about this in a previous episode, but a lot of people just share their journey and they don't come out with like such a definitive resource that they become the one person. And so I would look like, okay, I can't start there, but if that seat is currently available, could I have it in, in a couple of months? So that's what I tend to see in the research stage of people. It's just going off a bunch of different directions and then pulling it all and dumping it back into Google doc and then kind of this opinion of what the opportunity is and whether or not, you know, I'm still interested in it forms over time. Yeah, totally. I think one of the things at this stage, it's important to recognize is that competition is a good thing because it means there's a market for what you're doing, first of all. And secondly, your job is to figure out what makes you different. So as you go out there and you do research and you find out who already exists in this space, maybe it's other hip hop artists, or maybe it's other chefs that make vegan gluten-free food or whatever it is, your job is to figure out how can you be slightly different or how can you be interesting compared to these other people? You're not trying to put them out of business, especially as a creator. You don't need to put anyone out of business because there's a big enough audience for pretty much every topic that you don't have to. But what you do need to do is figure out what makes you unique. Now, the one problem with research mode is that a lot of people get lost in it. A lot of people convince themselves they shouldn't move forward. And what a lot of people also do is they get lost in like knowing everything about the journey to come. Let me learn everything about running a business, everything about email marketing, everything about building a website. And 
you don't need to do that right now. And a lot of what this episode is designed to do is say, here's a broad level overview and don't get lost in research mode. So I think if you know you should leave research mode when you have a topic you like, you've seen what the competition looks like, and you have a pretty clear idea of how you're going to be different. And now you move on to get started because getting started is the fastest way to find out if you actually have something on your hands that you want to continue with. Yep. That's good. Well, so as you choose that topic and you start to exit research mode and you know that you're doing that, there's a stage of really refining the topic and you touched on trying to figure out how you fit in, right? Because it's it's not, I'm going to teach design. It's okay, but who is it to? Who, you know, what makes you unique? Finding, finding those angles. You want to carve out a really specific niche. And that's where I would say as you exit research mode and define that one topic and idea in that step, then run with it. Know that you can always tweak it later. The point is to get something good enough. You want to be directionally correct. 80% certainty that you picked the right thing. If you get to 99% certainty, you spent way, much, way too much time in, in research mode. Yeah, I love that. I think one of the things that we suggest right up front is, is just kind of testing, litmus testing your idea by putting out a landing page maybe or a one-page website to gather interest. And so I think when you have your idea, this is a great time. Uh, there's this principle called quick wins that shows if you can get quick wins, it builds momentum rapidly. And it's like a snowball effect where a quick win leads to another win and another win and another win. And then you can tolerate longer and longer gaps between the wins over time. And so right up front, you're trying to build up your tolerance for waiting between the wins because you want to be encouraged. So a great way to get a quick win early on is to build a landing page with ConvertKit or a one-page website with whatever tool you use and put an email form on there and do the first 10 subscribers thing that we told you. Because if you have an idea and you can get 10 subscribers for it, now you've got 10 people who you can send that first piece of content to or the first song or the first recipe or whatever you've got going. So I would suggest you go immediately into get a quick win and get a few people who are interested because that's going to lead you into the next stage, which is choosing your content medium and kind of getting going. Really quick. I have a thought on the quick wins. I was listening to a podcast that I'll share later, uh, but a quote from it was from a guy named Naval. And he said that you should be impatient or you should have impatience with actions and patience with results. And so if you think about the quick wins, you want them to be things that are in your control, right? So putting out a blog post and, and making it go viral is not, that's a result and it's not within my control. But putting out the blog post is an action and that is within my control. So when I think of quick wins, they should be things that I can do. The I decided on a name, I got the page live, I emailed 10 people. You know, I'm, these are all things that are 100% within my control. And then I can then turn around and be patient with the results that come back from it. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so this next stage is another place where you can get some quick wins, which is that you're going to choose your medium and you're gonna choose a platform where you're gonna share your work. So everyone's gonna do email. That's why you're listening to this podcast because you already know email is valuable. That's common amongst everything, so you don't have to make a choice there. But you do need to choose what's your medium. And so it's either gonna be writing, audio or video, or essentially your three possible mediums for communicating. You know, I guess if you get into like e-commerce or, or some other things like that, maybe you could question that, but I would be a proponent of, you should be creating content regardless of the thing that you're going to sell eventually. And that's going to be in written video or audio form. So choose what form of media you're going to share. And then second is choose the platform where you're going to build your audience that isn't email. 
So for a lot of people traditionally, this has been a website, but for a lot of people today, that's not the case anymore. Right. You might just want a YouTube channel. You might just want to share your music directly to SoundCloud, SoundCloud or Spotify. Maybe you want to go Instagram only right now just to get started with, with lightweight. Uh, so choosing your content medium and your platform, I think are the two most important choices that come next. And you should not get stuck here because you can always change it later. Yeah, that's good. And another thing to realize is that in your research phase, if you found a bunch of people who are creating this content and, and maybe the space is crowded, but you're, that makes you excited and you're diving in anyway, maybe there's a certain medium or a particular content platform where it's not as crowded. And so you can realize, okay, there's a lot of a long form podcasts in this space, but there's very few, you know, there's very little on YouTube or vice versa uh, and realize that, okay, you could be the personal finance uh, YouTube channel because the personal finance blogs are already a crowded space. And so you could actually switch to a different channel if you find that one, it fits your audience and your desires better. And then two, it's less crowded. It's easier to be unique. Yep. I like it. Okay. So this kind of stage I would call it is, uh, I don't know, what would it be? The fundamentals, maybe choosing your medium, choosing your platform. And then you just kind of have some of the nitty gritty details you need to knock out. If you're going to have a website, you got to buy a domain. If you are going to do email, you need to choose an email tool. You need to choose which website platform you're going to use some things like that. So all of these implementation details should come from what is your medium and what is the platform you're using. And you should make really clear choices and move quickly. You don't need to do everything right now. You just need the basics available so that you can get into the core of what we think it means to be a creator, which is the creator flywheel. Um, Keshna, who's live listening, brought up that we're kind of rushing through. And one of the reasons we're rushing through is that we really want to highlight this creator flywheel concept because we think this is actually the core of what you need to be focused on once you've made all of those early decisions to get to the point of, okay, I'm going to put my first thing out there. It becomes this looping reinforcing process that you can follow over and over. So Nathan, this was actually kind of your idea, the creator flywheel originally. Um, I'd love to hear where this came from for you. Yeah. So first a flywheel is something that you can do to take, you know, one-off effort and turn it into something that builds momentum. So the example that I have for my own life is, uh, I guess about 10 years ago, I was at, uh, with some friends who used to live in Africa and went to go, uh, to Lesotho, which is in, in South Africa. And, um, guys were working on an orphanage with them. And one of the projects was drilling a big well. So the well company came in, drilled the well, set it up. And then it was part of our job was like putting the hardware together to actually make the pump work. And electricity is not very reliable, so that wasn't an option. And so normally, if you've ever been to a campground or something, right, there's like this big well pump that you go up and down with a handle. But in a deep well, that's not going to work. And so instead, what we did is uh, mounted this big, heavy flywheel on top of it, where it's about four feet across, and it has handles on both sides, and it's super hard to get going. And once it was all set up, a friend and I stood on either side of it, grabbed the handles, and started, you know, bracing our feet and started to get it going and started to turn it. And once this flywheel is like it goes around the first time and it's hard, the second time it gets a little bit easier. The third time it gets even easier. And then, you know, once it's really going, I could just stand there with one hand and keep it spinning. Just tiny bit of effort. That was all. And so that's what a flywheel does where it takes this momentum that once it gets going, it turns it into something that's, you know, very difficult to stop and takes very little effort to maintain it. 
And so when we think about the creator flywheel, we think about, okay, what are the activities that go around in sequence, right? One naturally leads into the next. And as you do this, instead of doing a bunch of one-off tasks, it turns into a system where each thing gets easier and easier. And so you can just keep working your, your way around this rather than jumping around and saying, what should I work on today, tomorrow, and, and going a bunch of different directions. I love that. So we've defined it as kind of four core steps. So I want to outline the steps and then we can get into a little bit of detail and then we'll kind of wrap up the episode for today. So the four core steps are first of all, learning. And there's kind of two ways of learning. One is about your audience and what they need from you. And the other is just general research. What is out there about the topic that you've chosen? Or, uh, you know, if you're uh, more of a creative artist, like what are the methods out there for making your form of art, whether it's furniture or music or anything else? Uh, the second is creating and publishing content consistently. And so making your work on an ongoing basis and sharing that journey. The third step is share and promoting your work. And then the fourth one is making and selling high quality products or services. So you can imagine that there's learning, which fuels topics or other ideas for original work. So creating original work consistently. The third one is sharing and promoting that original work, which is a past episode that we've done just recently. And then the last one is making and selling high quality products and services based on that work. And that loops back to learning from the people who buy those things from you about more of what they want, the other problems they have, the other goals that they have. And then that fuels back into creating more original work. And so you can imagine that as you turn this flywheel, the learning fuels the content and the content fuels the need to promote and the promotion fuels audience growth. And that fuels people who buy your stuff, who you can then learn from and turn it and turn it and turn it. So that's the core of the creator flywheel. And that's where most people should be living once they're ramped up and going with their idea. Yeah, because basically what that means is you then have a defined set of activities that you're doing each day or each week. And each one feeds the next. And uh, you can be really clear on, okay, this is what I'm doing. And you can make small tweaks to that because we want to get to where we can make small tweaks and small iterations to improve. And we say, okay, next time I get to the promotion step on my flywheel, I'm going to try this instead and this little tweak rather than saying, uh, I don't know today, I guess I'll promote this thing. And I don't know, you know what? I'm just, I feel like creating, so I'm going to do this over here and we'll promote next month or anything like that. We're trying to, to move away from what really has been a fairly sporadic creative journey up until this point. And then you settled into it and you go, okay, now we're in our groove and now we're creating because we have to show up every day for at least a couple of years. And that's what the creative flywheel allows us to do. I like that. So I kind of think of it like this um, on the video version, I'm doing a ramp up with my hand. So you're kind of ramping up to this point where you can enter into the flywheel and get it turning. And the ramp up is all of the choices you need to make. You need to choose to become a creator. You need to choose your medium. You need to choose your platform. You need to make all of these choices. And then it gets really simple. Your job is to create original work, promote it, build things that people can buy, and then learn from that process over time. And um, I think really, if we can just continue to drill down into different aspects of this creator flywheel and the creator journey over time, that's the whole goal of this podcast is just helping you understand little elements of it so that wherever you are in the journey, you know, okay, I need to get better at promoting my content because that's going to make it easier for my audience to grow. Well, great. We've got an episode or 10 about that so that you can keep learning and keep growing. Yep. I used to think of it back in the day as three legs of a stool, I was trying to build up skills. 
And I was trying to get good at design development and marketing. Cause I thought, okay, if I can do all three of those things, then, you know, I can build and sell products and earn a living from it. And so I would go around in that pattern of like, okay, I actually feel pretty good about my design skills. And, you know, this was seven, eight, eight years ago. You know, I'd say, I, th- I think I'm going to focus on development now and leveling up that. So I'd take on a project related to that. And then I'd go into, okay, marketing is the weakest one. And so I would try to practice that. So the flywheel is really just creating the structure so that you can work on the things that are most important. Love it. Okay, let's see. <laughs> creator of the day. <laughs> All right. So the creator of the day uh, who I want to share are... Uh, I can't help but laugh. Uh, her name is Michelle Williams. I came across her uh, just looking for, you know, looking on Twitter for people who had made interesting pages with ConvertKit. Her site is theignitedteacher.ck.page. And uh, I'll drop the link uh, here in the chat. Oh, actually, I could, I could totally open a screen share. I should have done that here. Sorry for the delay. So what she does, she's got a uh, math professional learning community. So she's got a great video here helping to teach math and help, you know, people who are teaching math do that. And so it's just this great little community. This is a, a new thing that everyone's switching to the virtual world and having, trying to figure out how all of this works and what to do with it. And I thought she did great stuff and her video is really good. And so definitely check her out. The ignited teacher.ck.page. My creator of the day is a friend of both of ours named Vanessa Van Edwards. She runs a business called the science of people. And I remember before, I mean, I'm still fascinated by her business, but before I knew Vanessa personally, I always looked at her business and I was like, man, that sounds fun. Because she described it as this experimentation lab where she's got this team and they run social experiments and they write about what they find. And it's all driven by her journey as what she calls a recovering awkward person. And so she's... uh, feels like she she's not actually, but she feels like she's awkward in social situations or has been in the past. And so, so much of her research and interest comes from that. That's where her initial spark came from. And um, her and her husband run the business. Uh, it's been fantastically successful in a lot of different ways, but she's a fantastic public speaker as well. And so if you'd like to get kind of an entrance point into her work, I'd go look her up on YouTube and just watch one of her talks, um, Vanessa Van Edwards. And then I, I have a feeling if you also find yourself challenged by certain social situations or just social interactions, you might become enamored with her work and learn a lot from her along the way. She's fantastic. Yep. A good, good friend and just puts out amazing content. All right. On the resource of the day side, I'm going to share a podcast. Well, first a tweet storm and then a podcast. So screen share this. This is from a gentleman named Naval, who uh, co-founded AngelList and a bunch of other great startups over the years. Uh, and it's titled How to Get Rich Without Getting Lucky. And so uh, in this tweet storm, he goes into a lot of detail, a lot of short, you know, short, pithy uh, tweets. But what you can do also is see uh, that he's pulled it all together uh, on his podcast, which is at nav.al slash rich. So it's a three and a half hour episode. I listened to the entire thing on Saturday um, and it's really, really good. So I would definitely check it out. There's a lot of mindset things in here um, and some really good frameworks. I have actually not listened to that. I'm going to listen to that. Okay, my, uh, my resource of the day, I'm trying to find what he actually called it, but... Um, It's by Jim Collins, and he recently wrote kind of like what I would call an addendum or an extra chapter to add on to- It's called Turning the Flywheel. Turning the Flywheel. 
Wonderful. Um, it's one, it's like a one chapter little manifesto thing on what flywheels are and why they're valuable to understand. And I think related to this episode, if you went and read that, it would give you a really good feel of how the creator flywheel can fuel the success of your business, because it will bring in examples from other domains that you might not naturally process that way. Um, thank you for the screen share there, Nathan. So turning the flywheel, it's like 10 bucks. Um, you can get it on audio or Kindle or uh, in paperback. And I know I really enjoyed it and I think you will too. Sounds good. Well, as we wrap up for the day, we'll do a full episode on creator flywheels at some point in the future. Um, but hopefully that gives you a good framework. I think the thing that I would just encourage you to do is to start to think about all of those activities that you do to run your business and how you could move them from a sequence into a flywheel. So just try it out. Start by listing all the activities and then maybe circle and highlight the most important ones and then see if there's some of those that can start to shape into a circle rather than a sequence. Love it. Uh, FYI, you can now get the podcast in audio form in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So um, get in there, download that in an audio feed. That'll be a good place for an archive or if you just want to be able to listen back to these episodes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.